Junior Ambassador of All Ages, welcome to the Halloween episode of the Nerd Night Nations podcast. Today, unfortunately, the spooky season has to come to an end. If you're listening to us on the day we released it, it's Halloween. It is the last day of the spooky season, which means tomorrow I will, if you're a local listener in the Quad Cities, I will change my radio to 96.1 on November 1st and start listening to Christmas music because that's the only time of the year that station is worth a damn. But we're not here to talk about Christmas just yet. We're here to end Halloween on a bang. And we wanted to try something new for this. And uh, But first of all, I can't do anything new alone. I, of course, need my co-ambassador from the great white north of Canada, Miss Melissa Nicholson. Melissa, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. How are you? Oh, I'm feeling spooky. I got my Herman Munster Death Stitch on, courtesy of Jason Whitmarsh from Death Stitch Custom Clothing, <laughs> the unofficial official sponsor, or yeah, it's the unofficial official clothing sponsor of the Nerd Night Nations podcast. <laughs> well, I've got. How my, are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, as always, and I've got. I'm pretty spooky today too. I got my uh, Nightmare Before Christmas hoodie on. Jack Skellington and everybody on it. And I also have, obviously you can't see, but I've got Beetlejuice socks on too. Nice. Well, I do have my Jack Skellington <laughs> uh, slippers on because I am, if you listen to this, I, if you follow my personal life, I'm finally back in my apartment. So now I have linoleum floors. So my floors are a little bit cooler. So <laughs> I put my slippers on. <laughs> <laughs> I love this time of the year. Me too. It's my favorite time of year. Absolutely. Cooler weather and spooky times and just awesome. <laughs> pumpkin pumpkin spiced everything. Mm-hmm. I still have to have something pumpkin spiced. I haven't had anything pumpkin spiced. I'm behind on that. <laughs> I just had another. I just had my third pumpkin spice scone from Starbucks today. <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, I, I limit my pumpkin spice things to baked goods only because I have some pumpkin beer in the fridge and it is not very good. <laughs> there, there's a there's a um, sleeping giant brewery does a a pumpkin ale. It's called Mister Pompous Pumpkin. I haven't tried it, but I kind of want to just to say I have tried it. But maybe good. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It's a better batch because Sam Adams has never let me down before until now. Oh. <laughs> well, not everything can be a gem, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
like I just mentioned before, we're here to talk about something. We're gonna we want to try something new for the show. We're I'm sure you're tired of us listing you guys to death, so we want to try something fun. It's a little bit of an experiment. If it takes off, we want to try it again when Christmas rolls around. But uh, what we're gonna do is our our first ever Nerd Night Nations face off. And today's topic, since Universal fell flat on its face with the Dark Universe with Tom Cruise's Mummy movie a couple of years ago. And they had to dish him out. Now they push Universal Monsters over to uh, Blumhouse with the meh Invisible Man remake, which it, it's enjoyable. But Claude Rains will always reign supreme for me when it comes to Invisible Man. But uh, Melissa and I picked three films that bring the quote-unquote universal monsters together, and we're here to decide who did it better. So let's meet our contestants. Ladies and gentlemen, nerds and nerdettes of all ages, welcome to the first ever Nerd Animations Triple Threat Match! Introducing first, hailing from the Sunshine State circa 1948, the comedy dynamic duo of doom, Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein! Now entering the ring, nothing says I love evil like the I live evil, they're ranking in bass and kicking your ass, from 1968 it's Mad Mustard Party! So there you have it. We picked these three films. We picked Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein from 1948. Mad Monster Party question mark from 1968. And because we're not very big perfectionists, we picked Monster Squad from 1987. Like, yeah, we should have picked something from 1988. <laughs> but <laughs> sue us. I'm only 90% OCD. <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> so, right now I can hear all the millennial guests, the millennial listeners at home. How come you didn't pick Hotel Transylvania? It's because Melissa and I are not kids. We are we're above stupid fart jokes. Absolutely. <laughs> I said yeah. what I said. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be basing. So the winner will be determined based off of five categories. The plot, the cast, the portrayal of the monsters, which film is more rewatchable, and the legacy of the film. So Melissa and I will each cast a vote for whichever film we think is best in that category. 
we'll add up the scores. And whoever has the most points out of 10 possible will be our winner. And they'll take home the championship belt of, I don't know how you'd fit this in a belt, but best movie that ever brought together Universal Monsters because Universal couldn't do it themselves. <laughs> thanks, Either- thanks, Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> If you were to put it on a belt, they'd have to be, like, really small print. <laughs> yeah. You need, a, like, a magnifying glass to look at it. Be like, what does it say? Oh. <laughs> but but in the, oh, the championship belt, big belt. But, you know, at this day and age, though, social distancing, you can't get too close to read it, so. Ah. <laughs> okay, so the, for the first category... We're talking the plot. So we're starting off with uh, Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein. And this we're starting off. And the plot of the movie is the wolf man tries to warn a dim-witted porter that Dracula wants his brain for Frankenstein's monster's body. All right. So mad monster party question mark. <laughs> uh, plot is Baron Boris von Frankenstein decides to retire from his post as head of the Worldwide Organization of Monsters. The situation regresses when he elects his nerdy nephew, Felix, to succeed him. And then the plot for Monster Squad is five youngsters find themselves up against the combined might of Dracula, the mummy, the gill man, and Frankenstein's monster who arrive in town in search of a magic amulet. So, which one do we want to discuss first? Go ahead and jump in wherever you want, Melissa. You started off. I'm. All right. Well, after you just read the plots off, all three plots of the films are actually fairly simple. Uh, well, you did read the Cliff Notes version of them, but I think uh, of the three, Mod- Mad Monster Party has the. They're all pretty simple plots, I'm trying to say, but at the same time, it's. Seems like uh, Mad Monster Party question mark is trying it deviates the most from it. Mm. It has the more like the try to keep in mind it's it's a Rankin and Bass film, so you, it's from the creators of like Rudolph Red Nosed Reindeer, Frosty Snowman, uh, Your Thought of Santa Claus, all of our beloved favorite christmas classics but um it also i think it deviates from the plot more than anything because you just keep watching and it's fun but it's got a lot of fun segments in it but it just kind of while the central plot is in there it almost just keeps like it keeps going away from it to do something goofy or wacky at the same time all the mm-hmm. all the gags they try to fit into it which i do love the gag of the skeletons playing do the mummy yeah. <laughs> but i picked my favorite part of that plot that was pretty good mm-hmm. but um at the same time, I'd say, but Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein and um, Monster Squad, while they still have similar basic plots, I think those two do a much better job of sticking to the uh, sticking to the plot that they they set up here. Uh, Abbott and Costello have a, uh, also deviate their their shtick into it better. Mm. So it's taking that. Taking that classic Abbott and Costello routine and just adapting it to the situation it's in. I'm not, uh, when it comes to old comedy like that, uh, Abbott and Costello are probably my second favorite because I'm at Stone, I'm a Three Stooges kind of guy, but I do appreciate Abbott and Costello because of these monster movies. Mm. 
But I do appreciate how they're able to take their shtick and incorporate it into this universe where the monsters exist. Mm-hmm. I would agree, absolutely. Like, I found like Mad Monster Party. It was, it it kind of it started off with okay the the general plot of okay this is what's happening and they sort of put the pieces together. But yeah, then it it really gets distracted with all the gags and it trying to be, you know, funny and 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 then it and okay and then it it comes back to the the main thing and then it kind of leaves again. Like it's a little bit wibbly wobbly in the way it goes but you know it's it's still a fun i think it's still a fun film um abbott costello definitely yeah like their their shtick their comedy like how they are yeah definitely fits well into the into the film like you you know with um you know like the character getting freaked out and like oh like that's just something you'd always see in their films and and the other one kind of being like you know a little bit more like what what the hell? you know like what the hell are you doing you know like just seriously you're you're crazy like you know a little bit more common sense where everyone's just freaking out you know and it it totally works with them you know with dealing with the the monsters and everything and and so yeah and then like the initial stuff um but they definitely you know they stay on track for for the plot and you know they keep that going throughout and then um monster squad same thing like that um you know it's pretty solid in in their following of the of the plot and the characters and everything that's sort of going on um it's not you know it's definitely not you know wibbly wobbly like mad monster party question mark which is just you know (laughs) all over the place (laughs) but in for each film it works though like to have all these you know cast of characters and everybody very different characters and it just all works in all in all three films i think um with everybody although yeah the mad monster party one it's it's question mark (laughs) 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 i can't forget that question mark um (laughs) yeah it i don't find it to be like uh rankin and and bass's finest hour but it's still it's cute. It's fun. It's 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 yeah. It's not to the same quality of Rudolph and all of them, but this came out after Rudolph and all these. But really, one thing I did notice. One thing I did notice about the film is that it. I think they started to nail down their style of animation because a lot of the movements seemed very fluid. Mm-hmm. At certain points, the way the characters moved and everything, so a lot of that seemed very fluid. So it seemed like they by that point. I know they've done Rudolph by that point, but mm-hmm. I don't think they had, I don't think they've done Weird Thought of Santa Claus or anything else by then. But a lot of the characters feel like they moved a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the only thing with the plot is it's very it's very sixties, and all three of these movies are definitely you can tell they're of the time they were made. Uh, Monster Squad's got that delicious eighties feel to it because. Made eighty seven. It's very much like Goonies, in mm. a way. We get the, the group of kids going on an adventure, and well, I'll probably talk about that when we get to the cast of the movie. But uh, Megan Trainer, no, uh, Ellen Trainer, Helen Trainer. I can't remember mom's name right now from Monster Squad. She's also the mom in Goonies too. So, um, but we'll save that for when we get to the the cast. Um, 
It's it just, just mad monster parties. It, I think there was a lot of things like that back in the 60s that where they throw in all this random stuff in between. I have a random-ass horror movie sitting around here called The Undertaker and His Pals. And it it's from the 60s as well. And all of a sudden, there's, there's like a random chase scene on skateboards and shit right during with the surf music playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. at the same time, like I mentioned, like how the do the mummy thing is my favorite part of the film, and it is, it ties in the plot because it's during the dinner where Baron von Frankenstein's announcing his plans and everything, and mm-hmm. um, so it's played during the dinner and everything at their quote unquote convention, the weirdest convention I ever seen. But uh, yeah, that just be like the big. Uh, the big mark on me for the, the big uh, spot on the record for that much party for question mark for me is just that it just takes so many deviations from the, so many veers mm-hmm. off to one way or another from the plot while Evan Costello and mad Mod- and the monster squad just hammer through right through their plot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, you, you know, you, you've got like, even, you know, like with Abbott Costello when he's, you know, he's reading the description about Dracula and you've got like the, that's kind of a little bit of a a gag, I feel, because it's like he's reading it and then like the coffin opens and the candle moves and, and then, you know, and then he's like starting to freak out and then it closes again and like, but it works. Like it, it doesn't deviate from anything. It stays with okay, he's looking at this thing, and then okay, the, the coffin starts to open, and the candle moves, and so like the it's the gags they work within it. It has a nice flow. It doesn't just deviate to something completely different, like some other gag that doesn't fit in with the scene. And that's kind of what with that's kind of how it is with um, Mad Monster Party question <laughs> mark, where it just it goes off and then comes back, and it's like why 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 are we over here when we should be here like it's it's very weird that way um but you know <laughs> it is what it is i guess and it, that that goes back to how we said how they were able to work that Abbott and costello shtick into the plot of the film mm-hmm. it wasn't like they were taking a break to do a cl- for example the biggest thing if people think of Abbott and Costello, they think of uh, the who's on first um, routine they did. So it's not like they took a break from talking to Larry Talbot being played by Lon Chaney Jr. to do something else like that on their own. If they're in their, when they're in their hotel area or if they're in the lobby of the castle, they're not doing the who's on first stick, but having Lou Costello reading the, plot of uh or reading the description of dracula while bella Lugosi keeps popping in and out of the coffin and, <laughs> and having the candle move or having him reach his hand out and then having him keep, him keep calling bud back just that very classic shit and it works it fits in doesn't feel forced um yeah. i remember talking to my father about like um about television shows like uh seinfeld how I'd say that Seinfeld is funnier than Friends. Don't at me because it's true. Because I also made a similar comment that Parks and Rec is funnier than The Office, and uh, it made me think about watching Seinfeld. I used to also used to watch Jeff Foxworthy show back when I was a kid, 
and they would just ham fist Jeff Foxworthy's stand-up routine into the the plot of the of the show. So they'd be ham fisting these redneck jokes in there. But to bring it back to this, this is like Abbott Costello's routine does not feel like it's ham fisted in there. It's mm-hmm. it seems genuine when he's having that freak out, hey check, check and like keep calling him back <laughs> every couple minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not a forced humor. Like you you know when when stuff is forced and like I could kind of see that, yeah, like with you know when you're just mentioning like um you know, Parks and Rec being funnier than the office. Like, yeah, at times there was like kind of forced humor, like oh this is supposed to be funny. Where this you know, like with Abbott and Costello, it just flows so nicely. It just you've got the jokes, you've got the gags, you've got you know they're not, you know they're just keeping they're keeping with the plot, but then also adding that that humor where it's needed, right? Or that right opportunity for there to be humor or a gag or whatever, and uh, that's what I really like. It's it, you never feel like oh you, I have to like they do something well oh I have I have to laugh at this oh you know <laughs> remind can you remind me to laugh you know <laughs> it's genuinely like that's funny. Um, when you're watching it and and I feel like um, the same with with uh, Monster Squad too like it's it's a good flow of, of humor in there um, uh, you know there's nothing it, it doesn't feel forced at all to me anyway um, but yeah it's um, those two are, are very good at you know keeping the flow of the plot sticking to it and you know the humor the gags all that kind of stuff and yeah they're they're really solid in that whereas mad monster party question mark eh, not not so much and uh with monster squad too this also come out the height of the 80s so you had all these team up movies of the kids a group of kids together so you had your stand like we like we talked in our last episode about summer of 84 how you have your uh you have your Stand By Me's, your Goonies. It's all these group of latchkey kids that are getting together and taking something on by themselves. And uh, so it sticks to that point, and they sticks together. So um, it nails it good too. And it they all just much like Summer of '84, or the new It movie, or Stranger Things, or Summer of '84. It really Monster Squad does a good job of portraying how kids act so when they're in their clubhouse and stuff uh sean and uh can't remember the name of his friend now uh, of his best friend but when they're they're debating the movies with each other well the uh, fun fact those kids were friends in real life off screen so uh but they have these interactions with each other it proves like yeah these are how kids interact with each other the, the dialogue doesn't feel forced between them you feel that camaraderie there when they're talking mm-hmm. about when they're trying to induct Rudy into the monster squad and he's trying to ask him like all these ways to kill a werewolf. And they start debating like, Oh, there's only one way to kill a werewolf. No, shoot with a silver bullet. It's the only way. No, you can do this. You can die in a car crash. You can do this. You can do this. Or why, uh, the wolf man wears pants. So you don't see his wolf dork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like you said, it's got those funny moments too where you got, got all the random lines and they're like um, when they ask Rudy if he knows any virgins or anything like that too. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and they really yeah, there's definitely that that connection or that that comfortable connection between them. Like you definitely like you I kind of do get the sense of yeah, they're they're friends and and like you said that they are they were actually probably still our friends in real life. So it it do, you do see that like that definite comfortable connection between each other and like their interactions and it's never just it it doesn't feel awkward ever. It's just oh, I'm just you know like chatting with a friend or whatever. But I, you know so um, yeah, it's really good and yeah, the portrayal of of kids and and how they interact and talk to each other and and you know argue about things and you know you really see the lens of of the kids like you're really seeing it through through their eyes and their adventures and and uh, yeah, I really like that. So before we pick our winner, before we choose our winners for this round, uh, let's talk about the endings of the three films. I'd say when I watched Monster Squad, or no, when I watched Mad Monster Party, question mark, this was the first time I had seen it. And uh, it's a movie I've been aware of, but um, that ending caught me way off guard. I did not expect that ending at all for Baron von Frankenstein to blow up. himself and all the other monsters (laughs) wow i didn't see that coming (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) this was this was a first time viewing for me too yeah that that was not definitely not an ending i was expecting evan costello i i'd seen many times hunter squad i'd seen many times so i i knew those endings were um Mm. but (laughs) this ending to mad monster party question mark was like wow really (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right <laughs> I, took, um, I don't want to say it took a dark turn but it kind of took like a little bit of a weird turn and yeah uh, and i guess it helps with the fact that the, the potion that baron von ferguson creates at the beginning of the movie pays off and I even watching the film when he did use that potion on the crow at the beginning of the film and blew up a random crow at the beginning <laughs> of the movie <laughs> But 1968 yeah. is a different time. Oh, exactly. Very different time. But, uh, yeah, it just, it really continues just how, you know, it's that ending cements just how random the movie is. Like, it's just how, you know, it's a plot and then off doing something else and doing something else and then finally, boom, boom. <laughs> you know, it blows up. It's like, okay, you know, <laughs> you're, it's it's very unexpected, but it's also I don't know. I felt not not too surprised just based on the film itself. <laughs> so. It's like your initial reactions, like your initial reactions, like, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like okay, huh? <laughs> so that's it then. <laughs> and. As much as I love Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, uh, I do love the surprise ending with Vincent Price as the Invisible Man, but it's essentially just them running them running away from everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do like the ending of the Monster Squad uh, with uh, the army showing up after Eugene. Of all the, te- all the well, first of all, all the kids teaming up to fight the monsters, the cops showing up. But I think what helps is that the the, the dad. The adults are like, oh, tell them all oh, this is all nonsense. Monsters aren't real, blah, blah, blah. Then Sean's dad comes, who's a cop, and comes to help them fight off all these uh, 
all these monsters and with the help of the scary German guy as well, too. Um, so it makes you wonder if they that's where FS for Family got that from is having this random scary German guy who's actually a concentration camp survivor <laughs> as a neighbor. Maybe. It's a scary neighbor. <laughs> uh, well, before I watched FS for Family, it's the only other time I'd seen that that trope used was monster squad. But, um, but I do like, um, how the parents don't believe parents don't believe all of a sudden, Oh shit, this is for real. And dad sees firsthand with Dracula blowing up his partner. And after all, they missed the, him and the, him and his wife missed Dracula blowing up the clubhouse. Mm. But, um, that moment where it becomes very real for the mom and the dad, Mom, Sean's mom and dad. Oh, the kids were right all along. Kind of like in a summer of '84, when after a while, like, yo, you were right. Neighbor was the serial killer the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sort of that. That yeah, it runs along like yeah. There's there's that very much a disbelief of yeah, whatever. It's just kid stuff, like kid imagination, whatever. And finally, it's okay. This is. You know, you kind of needed that though in the film, like you, that. Oh, okay, this is very real. This isn't just, you know, they're not pretending. They're not, you know, playing some silly game, whatever. It, this is real, and you know, we got to figure out a way out of this. You know, <laughs> so yeah, that's. I kind of like that. Like when they they it kind of gets to that. Okay, we need to do something. Like this is, you know, <laughs> shit's got real now. <laughs> So, uh, anything else you want to talk about plot-wise for the three films? No, I think we've covered it pretty well for all three. All right, so who is your winner as far as plot? My winner uh, has to be Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein for plot. Just in the way that they're like I, it's it's a it's definitely a it's a tough toss between like Monster Squad as well, but I think like for Abbott Costello, I think it just you know it's it's the classic movie and um you know I I like it it's it's one of my favorites of theirs, so I have to pick that one and and for plot too like it just it all works all the humor all the gags everything it just works so well and you know you wouldn't think you know, reading the title, like, Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein, like, it would work. Like, it would just be kind of silly. But it works so well with their humor and everything. So, yeah. Um, that's, that's, it gets a point for me. <laughs> nice. Um, I'm actually gonna go with Monster Squad for plot because, uh, I'm a bit of a, being an 80, child of the 80s, I, it does, it does hit that, uh, nostalgia spot for me. But what I love most about it is that, yeah, we've mentioned that Evan Costello does stay on track too. Mm. But just yeah, I something about the plot, I just love so much more just because it it takes like all those classic eighty movies mm-hmm. and combines monsters with it. It's like it's almost it, I don't know. I'm getting a little tongue tied at the moment here. A lot of it just boils down to eighties nostalgia for me. And um, mm-hmm. it stays on its plot. It knows what it is. 
and it delivers and it and I think of, of the three films it also has the strongest ending out of all three films too I, I feel like it does the best job of everything coming full circle from mm. beginning to end uh, I think I believe everything in the film pays off yeah I think so I would I would agree on that yeah it, it definitely it yeah it definitely knows what it is and and yeah, it's it's got the beginning, middle, and solid ending. So, yeah, I would agree with that. So, we're not going to reveal the scores until the end. So, we'll keep everybody guessing. And everyone's so, like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now, somebody's still pissed off we didn't pick Hotel Transylvania over Mad Monster Party? Question mark. <laughs> I've seen Hotel Transylvania, and I've seen parts of Hotel Transylvania 3. Still stupid. (laughs) I will will say I like the first Hotel Transylvania, and that's it. (laughs) I like the first one. It's cute. It's it's cute. That's what it is. Uh, Time for round two, where we talk about the cast of the three films. So, Melissa, which cast stands up to you the most? Where, Where do you want to start when we talk about cast for these films? Um, I'm going to have to say, like, the cast that stands out for me in, like, big way is, like, kind of the obvious choice, Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein. Like, just, you, um, you know, you've got the legit actors who, you know, you've got Bud Abbott, Luke Costello, Lon Chaney Jr., you know, Bella Lugosi, like, you have the, the legitimate actors who played you know dracula the wolfman and then you've got two iconic you know comedians who you know are you know very much a part of the whole like comedy stuff and it's just you can't have a more epic lineup of a cast (laughs) and and really like they're the ones that i'm i'm most familiar with um, I'm not too familiar with like the ones like from Monster Squad or whatever. I mean, the cast is great. Everybody that's in that movie is great. But for like Abba Costello and Frankenstein, I'm most familiar with those actors, and they're just you know amazing. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that that's a tough mountain to climb for any uh, any film to beat. That Abba Costello alone. Their name, uh, well, probably this day and age, I don't know if they're as known as they are from like the mid 90s on back. But uh, you ask them, random kid on the street, if you know who Abbott and Costello are, they look at you blankly. <laughs> but um, yeah, they win. I think they would, if we had to pick a winner right now, they would win on name recognition alone. Plus, you had the Bella Lugosi and Lon Chaney Jr to the plot as well plus and yet spoilers it's a price showing up at the end of the film as invisible man mm-hmm. um, like i said it's a tough mountain to climb one thing that impressed me though was when i worked at the, looked at the cast for mad monster party question mark you do get the classic monster actor boris karloff as baron von frankenstein yes. but what surprised me the most was how small the cast for mad monster party is mm-hmm. it's essentially the ca- cast of four or five people and plus you also have phyllis diller who's essentially being being phyllis diller the entire film 
Um, <laughs> yep. She really is. <laughs> they even <laughs> let her throw her laugh, her trademark laugh in there. Aha! <laughs> like every other line to get Phyllis Thero doing her laugh. Yep. <laughs> and, and fun fact I read off of IMDb this morning as of 2019 the woman who did the voice of Francesca is the only cast member still alive oh wow yeah which will at this point this movie is uh, 52 years old now so wow. understandable mm-hmm. but I remember watching this watching, the, watching this movie for the first time yesterday or the other night and like, oh, it's a guy doing a bad Peter Lorre impression for, uh, I can't remember the character's name, the butler guy, or doing a Jimmy Stewart impression for, uh, what was the nephew's, I already forgot the nephew's name. Uh, Felix. Uh, Felix. Felix. Oh, it's a, it's a bad Jimmy Stewart impression. <laughs> but, but reading today that all those voices were done by one guy. So you essentially mm-hmm. had, uh, Boris Karloff doing Baron Run Frankenstein. You had, um, oh, shit, I just started Phyllis Diller <laughs> doing the voice of the monster's mate. I can't remember the, remember the voice of the lady that did um, uh, that did Francesca, but uh, then the rest of the cast, yeah. And then you had one guy doing the rest of those voices, apart mm-hmm. from the woman that was singing the uh, that sang the opening credit. Uh, song, yeah, and that kind of impressed me. It gave me a lot. I, I gave it. I want to give it a few bonus points just for that alone. I'm like, yeah, he's he's clearly doing an impression of Peter Laurie. <laughs> into yeah. the air, Junior. Into the air, Zombie Birdman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it. Was instantly recognizable. For I'm like, oh, it's a Peter Laurie impression hour. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I was, I actually had, like, I looked it up after seeing the the film and yeah, I was really impressed that it was one guy doing all those voices. And then that's, you know, and then, and then, yeah, like how small the cast is, like you've got, you know, three people doing a voice and like three separate people doing three separate characters. And then you've got one guy who's kind of doing all of them. <laughs> like that's, you know, I, I definitely had bonus points for me because you know, it's not easy doing all these different, you know, character voices. You know, I, I admire those who do multiple voices. You know, it's not easy. <laughs> it can't be easy. Yeah, he he kept his he kept his Dracula very basic. Mm. But uh, and his uh, Jekyll and Hyde. But yeah. uh. I do say that I, yeah, I was teasing. I do love his Peter Lorre. Mm-hmm. And it was as, as, as Lech. Was that his name? Lech? Yeah. Uh, Yetch. Yetch. Close. Yeah. Yetch. Yeah. How just obsessed he is with Francesca, which who can blame him? Redhead with green eyes. Exactly. But <laughs> although it comes and off kind of creepy though. <laughs> it's like, dude. Ooh, Francesca. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just just a tiny bit but, <laughs> I will say this now if there is ever a live action Mad Monster Party question mark we need Eva Green as Francesca absolutely <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I will throw my wallet at my phone the minute I read that news. <laughs> Same. I'm going to get my wallet and be like, take my money. I got distracted while watching her during the movie. Like, yeah, that should be Ava Green. You know Ava Green doing that? Yeah. <laughs> I'd, play Felix. I'd play Felix to her, Francesca. <laughs> Uh huh. <laughs> I do love the voice actress that played her. I didn't recognize. I like she had that voice that just seems so identifiable. I'm like, I know, I know this is voice. Mm. But I looked up at her IMDb and I couldn't find her anywhere. Like I looked up her IMDb and I did not recognize her name or face anywhere. Yeah, neither did I. Not one that I'm. She must not have been. Like maybe had minor roles, but not really anything. Um, I think significant. There was I don't know. one project. There was one. There was one project on her IMDb that I I knew, but I couldn't place her mm. anywhere. So, which is heartbreaking. Um, well, notable cast you have in uh, Monster Squad. You have the um, what's his name. He's in uh, Wonder Years with Fred Savage. He's one of the bullies at Pixar and Horace. And then you have, um, which tragically, uh, the actor that played Horace died a few years ago from pneumonia. But um, I know I'd seen the actor that played Dracula in this film before in other films. But you have, if you're in a Napoleon Dynamite fans, the human form of the Wolfman is Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Really? How did I know? Yeah. Huh. That's hilarious. It's, it's, <laughs> yes. I thought it was. I thought it was, I remember hearing that a, a couple of years ago. I can't. I, thought I might have heard it on a podcast that it's Uncle Rico. That's uh. That's the the, the human form of the wolf man in this movie. <laughs> but um. Yeah. Just throw like a Napoleon Dynamite in there. How much would I throw? I could throw that dead body over the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> but I must say, I do, I do enjoy his portray- I, I do enjoy his portrayal of uh, being the human form of the Wolfman. He's no Lon Chaney Jr., but he I think he played it very well. He played it in a. It almost seems like it's almost like a trope to play a human version of a Wolfman. Is very manic. Yeah. Uh, oh, he definitely broken. like Lon Chaney's portrayal. He's not as panicked. He can tell there's something wrong with him. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think but but I think uh, this guy took he ranked up to like an eleven when it came to playing like that manic. Like, oh, you gotta lock me up, but he's throwing cops all over the place. Yeah, all like he, shit, he's really freaking out. Yeah, like he's really over the top, freaking out. Whereas, like, you know, Lon Chaney, he's just, you know, you, you gotta lock me in my room. You gotta, you know, like he's not, he he's he's a little bit panicked, but he's not. He's still kind of panicked yet calm, if that's a thing. <laughs> like he's just, he knows what's gonna happen, and he's not, you know, he kind of knows what needs to be done. So he's, you know. Whereas, yeah, this was just, yeah, turned up to an 11 of just manic, crazy, 
panicky, <laughs> really crazy. Um, which I guess is it's fine. Like it, it's up to everybody's interpretation, right? It's okay. He's freaking out, whatever, and so you know, I, I guess it kind of makes sense. But I think it could have been toned down, maybe just a little bit. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, At the same works. time, uh, launch, and he's also very—he's also very threatening about it too. So mm. that's the point where Uncle Rico is met in Monster Squad. But when Abbott Costello cracked jokes about, "Hey, I'm going to turn into a wolf when the moon comes up," well, you and about twenty thousand other guys, and he's <laughs> grabbed him by the shirt collar, like, "Hey, I'm serious." Mm. Like he, yeah, which which makes sense because he wants him to, you know. Be, he wants to be taken seriously. Like this is what's happened. Like what's going to happen. Like you need to be taking this seriously, and it's not just a joke. So he, it's. I don't know if it's really threatening. It's just more like no. Like he's really putting his foot down. Like no, you got to take this seriously, or you know, stuff's going to happen. So. Well, um, don't want to really compare apples and oranges to the two. So we're not, it's, not, it's not to say who played Wolfman better. But uh, what about you look at uh, David Naughton in American Wolf in London? Mm-hmm. You kind of see how he descends from not taking it seriously into the, by the time he's in the porn theater, he's become that old. No, actually, I'd say before the porn theater, when he right before that, when he's with Alex and he realizes he's once behind all the killings from the night before that he gets more manic about it. Mm-hmm. But it's at the point where you gotta lock me up and I'm a monster. I killed some people. So you see him take that slow descend into it. Whereas in these movies, these films, it's one or the other. You're either calm about it or you're well, that. It's, he it's definitely a... he definitely makes it more manic than than, than David not uh, the the actor in Monster Squad is definitely more manic than mm. David Naughton is. Yeah, like it's it's kind of a it's kind of a one extreme to the other, where like with Lancini Jr. it's sort of in the middle of like he's really taking this seriously and he wants others to take it seriously, so he's really putting his foot down about it. And then you've got Manic, who's just he's just oh, he's really freaking out. And then, like, yeah, like, David Naughton, it's that slow, definitely a slow descent into realizing, okay, I need to, like, oh, this is what I did, and, you know, this, yeah, at first he's just like, yeah, whatever, like, he's, he really doesn't take it seriously, and then, oh, he realizes what he's done, and it's that slow descent, which I think, you know, maybe is a, oh, it's it seems more realistic that way. Where it's that, okay, that slow progression of him realizing what he's done and sort of who he is or like kind of what he's become. And, you know, it's not just, he, he doesn't really freak out like, oh, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it's, it's all in all interpretation of, of characters and what the actor feels, you know, how they how how they feel they should portray the character, and then it's also based on in writing too, like how it's written and and then the actor bringing that to life. So it's varied 
portrayals, but it's kind of interesting to see that everybody's different and they're all not just, they're all not just copy and paste of a character, you know? Well, since we're, since we're starting to dip our toe in the next round, how about we go wrap it up with this and say, who is your winner for best cast? Um, I'm going to have, <laughs> uh, I've been Costello meet Frankenstein. That's, that's my, that's my pick again. I think I'm sensing a theme here, <laughs> but it, you couldn't get more well, I know we're, solid. I know we're so. not going to have a, I know for a fact we're not going to have steep, so. <laughs> but, um, it's hard to go against the legacy casting that Abbott and Costello has. Like, mm. It just barely got beat out. It was my close second. I went with Mad Monster Party question mark just because I was so impressed with how much was accomplished. Yeah, you got Boris Karloff and Phyllis Diller, who were legends of their time. Boris Karloff is up there with Bela Lugosi and Lon Chaney, Vincent Price, as a horror icon. And Phyllis Diller, very much an an icon of the 60s and 70s. Um, But what impressed me the most was just one guy, even though we teased his impressions of Jimmy Stewart and Peter, Peter Lorre, who was (laughs) another horror movie icon. Um. That guy, that one, uh, me being such a huge avid buff of voice actors as I am, I went with Mad Monster Party question mark just because that one guy alone, his talent impressed me that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I can agree. It's it's certainly uh, certainly impressive, but I think it's it's a lot of it's just these classic actors, and they all kind of like they came together to make you know the movie and it. You know that's great. So, but yeah, that that, that was sort of my pick. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, um, Mad Monster Party question mark certainly has my respect, like for for what they did, you know, for the time and everything like that. So, yeah. So since we started briefly discussing it, let's move on to round three. That'd be the portrayal of the monsters themselves. So. Talking to Melissa off mic, I think that Abbott and Costello has a little bit of an unfair advantage in this category. So I think, I don't know about you, maybe we should only keep it between Mad Monster Party question mark and Monster Squad just because they have Bo Lugosi and Mm -hmm. Lon Chaney both playing playing their title characters. So I think... Mm -hmm. They should be temporarily disqualified. We make this a one-on-one match between Mad Monster Party and um, Monster Squad. Mm-hmm. You in agreement with that? I am. Yeah, I think that makes sense because, like, yeah, when you have a Costello in there, it's like really unfair. So to make it fair, yeah, Mad Monster Party question mark and Monster Squad makes sense. So let's do it. <laughs> That actually makes it easier for me. This is the one I, before we start recording, this is the one I didn't have an answer for. But since we agreed <laughs> to not include Ed Costello, meet Frankenstein in this category, I've, it was easier for me to make my answer. <laughs> so since we're making, since we're making this two-one-two, because it, hands down, this one, this one would win. It easily would win, just because you got Belagosi playing Dracula for the second and final time, mm-hmm. and you got Lon Chaney playing, um, Lon Chaney playing. Larry Talbot, the Wolfman again, and then you have 
I can't remember if this is the first time Glenn Strange has played the monster or not. But I think Glenn Strange has played Frankenstein's monster before. And Vincent Price has played the Invisible Man before this one, too, as well. Because uh, he's in The Invisible Man Returns. Um, but I think with having just Mad Monster Party question mark Monster Squad will be interesting because since we got different portrayals of how the monsters look in this in these both of these films too, and the reason behind that is because I believe Dracula is not trademarked, and that's public domain. I think there was another one that was public domain too. So that's why the mo- and it's gonna be a little bit harder to compare this one because you got different monsters in these films. So in Mad Monster Party, you have Dracula, you have Jekyll and Hyde, you have Frankenstein, you have his mate, essentially the bride of Frankenstein, mm-hmm. you have the Wolfman, you have the Mummy, and you have it, which is King Kong. I miss anybody? Oh, and you have Quasimodo, Hunchback yeah. of Notre Dame, which I think they called him the Hunchback of Notre Dame in this, in this film. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think I got them all for that one. I think so. And then in Monster Squad, you have Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Gilman, who's supposed to be the creature from the Black Lagoon, mm-hmm. and you have the mummy. Yeah. And the reason why, which I find so interesting, First of all, with the looks of all the monsters, all the, the names being trademarked, so they have different looks and different names. Hence why in Mad Monster Party question mark, Frankenstein's monster is called Fang. Uh, the bride is essentially called the Frankenstein the monster's mate. Um, King Kong is referred to as it. Um and Quasimodo is referred to as the Hunchback of Notre Dame because those were all trademarked. Um, the studio at Rankin Bass Studios did not want to pay that trademark, so that's why they referred to all those. Maybe Wolfman is. Maybe Wolfman and Mummy are also public domain, but yeah. Dracula is public domain. Mm. And that and then you turn over to Monster Squad, and that's why you have uh, Gilman referred to instead of Creature from the Black Lagoon. Did they have a name for a Creature from the Black Lagoon in I think they just call them the creature, don't they? Yeah, it's just the creature. They, they don't. There's no real name for it. Plus, with all these names being trademarked too, it also also lends itself to different looks for the monsters. So, do you want to? Where do you want to start with uh, portrayal of monsters? Uh, let's start with um, let's start with uh, Mad Monster Party? Question mark. That's not gonna stop being funny. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be what Mad Mon- adding the question mark to Mad Monster Party in this episode is gonna be the equivalent of me name dropping Planet of the Apes so many times in our Tim Burton episode with Lisa. <laughs> I think so. It's gonna be <laughs> question mark. Take a drink. <laughs> so go ahead and uh, talk about Mad Monster Party question mark. <laughs> <laughs> the portrayal, their monster portrayal. Um, I think like for the the portrayal of of you know these these monsters, it's sort of um, like Dracula is very basic. He's not um, 
you know, too too out there or too crazy. He's just that's kind of you know who he is, and and um, you know the the well the characters themselves are not really um, taken too seriously. I don't think like they're sort of done in a fun way where they all have their their sort of quirks and things and and um like you got yeah like dracula he's you know who he is and then um like frankenstein he's you know um sort of the same way like he um he's he's just you know he's who he is and just kind of a sort of it's a words <laughs> trying to find words um yeah like he's he's frankenstein is frankenstein like just who he is and then you've got um you know the monster's mate who's um i don't know how you describe her but <laughs> well but, she yeah well, I think what it, having these trademarks does is it opens up to get more creative with the the appearance. Yeah. Um, and that's a category I think Monster Squad wins in is the appearance. It, you could, one's clay, one's live action, or people in, in makeup. Mm-hmm. Monster Squad definitely wins that because plus of all, they also had Stan Winston, who's he's the uh, Stan Winston R.I.P., who is also another very good makeup guy up up there on the same tier makeup special effects guy as Rick Baker monster maker is um, for uh, with uh, I would say the only one in mad monster party question mark doesn't bear any resemblance to her original character is Phil Stiller as the uh, monster's mate. Mm-hmm. They're try- they didn't give her the, the hair with the white streaks or anything. I think they're trying to make her look as Phil Stiller as possible. I so people so. would know, hey, this is Phyllis Diller. Yeah. Didn't give her the hair or nothing. I know you had, you had to kind of cover it up a little bit, so you can't say well, maybe that it is her, maybe maybe it is the bride, maybe it isn't. Yeah. Kind of. I do say one thing I did like about one, yeah, the the drag, like you're saying, the Dracula is pretty basic. Um, very, kind of reminded me of the Count a little bit from uh, yeah from Sesame from Sesame yeah. Street. <laughs> Yeah. So I wonder if that's where Hanson got his inspiration for the count was a little ba- based off of Mad Monster Party question marks Dracula. Yeah. But um, when I was reading an IMDb about Mad Monster Party question mark, did you know? Did, I didn't. I noticed that the Wolfman in that movie had an earring I when I saw a close up of him, but he's in a gypsy outfit because oh. it's a throwback to Bela Lugosi's character in uh, the Wolfman. Ah. Uh. <laughs> So, bonus points on that one. I'd yeah. say that that was pretty good. His Frankenstein looks pretty basic. Uh, yeah. Same with his Jekyll and Hyde, his mummy, um, and his his creature, uh, King Kong. Yeah, good too. Yeah. Um, it's it's those classic looks for each character. Like you look, you think Frankenstein. You know, it's that green, and it's kind of he's got you know the the black jacket and like it's it's that classic look and i think that's kind of what they went for with you know your dracula frankenstein all that except for the monster's mate where it was 
you know, very not, <laughs> you know, Bride of Frankenstein where it's got the hair and everything. Um, but I think they kind of they kind of kept with just you know your your basic looks of the of these characters of you hear their name this is what you think and that's kind of what they they created for for being for being uh, miniatures made out of clay for 1968 I think he did a very well job a very he did a very well job what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> He did a very good, the, the creators did a very good job for the time and the style, or for the time and for the medium they chose. They did a very good job. But I think with Dracula being public domain, that's why you look at that model, like, yep, that's Dracula. Mm-hmm. But you can still look at the other ones and say, okay, I can see Wolfman there. I can see a Frankenstein there. I can see a Creature from the Black. I can see Jekyll and Hyde there mm-hmm. for those. But, um, so how about we take it over to Monster Squad? Um, first, we'll start with how the monsters look, and then we'll go back into the performances. So with Monster Squad, you got makeup effects by Stan Winston. So what are your thoughts on the, how the monsters look in Monster Squad? Um, I, I like the look of them. I think, like, Dracula, he's he sort of got, like, a classic Dracula look. Um, you know the sort of a little bit of a, a, a old school Dracula kind of thing going on, which is kind of you know, um, which is pretty cool. I really like what what he's got, and then I really like, um, I kind of like the 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 look of uh, Gilman. Like he's he he has that a little bit more like intimidating look, a, a little bit more up from you know creature from the black lagoon which i mean it it looks fine but it's you know it's it's really not sort of the greatest whereas this is a little bit more creature monster like and um but he's it's funny like he's still recognizable as you know like creature from the black lagoon even though he's you know he's gill man um but yeah i really like i like his look um, I like what they did with that that character, and um, definitely, you know, monster like, and you know, this is kind of character who he is, while still kind of, uh, especially with his like his head shape, it's very much like, oh yeah, that's you know, creature from the Black Lagoon. So, um, Frankenstein, he's kind of classic Frankenstein look, um, maybe not so much like the you know, like the, the defined hair or um, like, you know, how, you know, in, in like Mad Monster Party where it's like it's the, you know, defined hair where they got the spikes in front and everything and like it's very square. Whereas he looks more in Monster Squad, he's a little bit more, he looks more human. He's not so square and boxy. Like he's, okay, he's got his regular sort of head and um, and, you know, still kind of a bulky body, but not you know, square and kind of angular. Um, and then like, Oh, I like the look of the mummy. Um, he's pretty cool looking. <laughs> oh, I, I love, I love, I love that mummy. Yeah. And yeah. I was rewatching it earlier. You know what it reminded me of? What? Uh, Iron Maiden's mascot, Ernie. Oh yeah. 
Uh, Eddie. 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 Sorry. Yeah, Eddie. It reminded me of uh, Iron Maiden's mascot, Eddie. Yeah, very much. I actually didn't think about that. Yeah. Definitely, like, like how bandages go and head shake, all that. Very much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, I love the, the look of the mummy. I think he's, he definitely looks, he's very much that aged look. Like, he's super old, and, you know, you see that in the, the bandages and everything, and just, you know, obviously, um, you know, a little bit skeletal. And, yeah, I, re- I really like the look of, of him. Um, the wolf man is a little bit... Um, I don't know how you. <laughs> I think he's he. I think it, it looks fine, but it's, um, you know, he's he's got his torn clothes and everything, and you know, and then well, he's got, well, he's, first of all, he's got clothes on and his pants, but you know, got to cover up stuff, right? So. <laughs> got to cover. Got to cover up his wolf dork. Wolf dork. <laughs> <laughs> so you know. <laughs> preserving his his dignity is is what matters to him i guess so <laughs> so he's he's not your your traditional wolfman but it still works as you know as as wolfman so yeah i i like the i like the looks of of everybody um i think everybody looks great like i think my two favorite though are you know the mummy and gilman i i really like the the looks of them i i would I agree with you wholeheartedly, but I think the word I would use to describe the wolf man in this film is underwhelming. Yeah. I, I remember the first time I saw this movie about 10, 15 years ago, I thought he looked more like a giant rat than a wolf. Than a wolf. Mm-hmm. Like, and that, it's not to, not to, do, to discourage uh, Stan Winston's uh, legacy. Um, he does very good work, but I love his mummy. And I like his Frankenstein too. You notice that the bolts moved from the neck to the head. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you got you got your classic Dracula look, and that's with Dracula being public domain. He can get away with looking like close to how Bella looked in the thirties. Mm-hmm. But everything else, you, yeah, everything else has to change it up. So yeah, so it looks different, but you still know who you're looking at. Yeah, and that's kind of what I like too is that, like you said, like you still know who you're looking at, and but it's you know slightly different. But the changes aren't. I mean, they they are pretty different, for, like for for everybody. But um, you know, like Dracula is still kind of the same, except maybe you know, it's um, you know throwing back to how you know close enough to what Bella looked like when he was playing Dracula. So um, yeah, it's it's different enough, but it's you also know, yeah, like who who they are and you instantly you know recognize them so um but yeah i, I like the i like with how they how they look and i think it it works except for yeah like wolfman he's very underwhelming like it's just oh that that's it like <laughs> it could could have been a little bit better but i don't know maybe that's what they were going his for, transformation maybe. his transformation's pretty his transformation scene's really cool but it's the portrayal of dracula very basic, you know who he is, but uh, I also like the uh, the transitions from man to bat and bat to man are 
like towards the end of the film when uh, Sean's dad shoots him, mm-hmm. and he goes to the top of the sports store, and you see that he's in that he's in that weird mid phase between he's like like he looks like Man Bat from Batman, so he's mm-hmm. like part bat part man at that point. That holy shit, that fucking transition there, that's just like a creepy fucking look for him. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but much much like Mad Monster Party question mark both films have the characters where you can tell who they are just by looking at them. That and we didn't mention. I do love Stan Winston's version of uh, Frankenstein. Uh, I do, and he's a he is a giant in this film. Uh, it, you got you got him up next to a bunch of kids, but he like not only towers over these kids, but like right, right during my rewatch when uh, Phoebe, the little girl, is holding his hand and she's just got her whole hand wrapped around one finger. I'm like, holy shit, this dude's a giant. Right? <laughs> like, he's huge. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> yeah, at that moment, it really gives you a sense of like, holy cow. <laughs> They did a good job with size perspective in this film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Like, you gotta know, you look at his feet, he, he, he is wearing those Gene Simmons kiss boots, so he's got an extra five, six inches added to his vertical there. <laughs> but at the same time, like he's like just towering over these kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, even, you know, you know, I thought about it, and like, yeah, like, I'm I'm five five. It's like, yeah, I would feel really, I would feel minuscule next to him. Like, hi, like, how's the weather up there? <laughs> yeah. So, so while we're in the, still in the subject of the betrayal of the monsters, talk about performances. Um, I know I'm going to butcher his name. Um, Duncan Rigger. Dracula, the Monster Squad. Mm. Uh, he made some list of like top 100 performances, top 100 scariest performances. His Dracula made it, but Bella's hadn't. And mm-hmm. one thing I love about, uh, I guess, would say one thing I love about the performances of these monsters in in this movie is they're not played for much like an Abacus Tell. They're not played for laughs. Mm. Like they are played to scare, and especially his Dracula performance, he is not fucking around at all. No. Not at all. We, especially we... especially when he blows up the car, like he the the police car, like he's not <laughs> it it kind of solidifies his like yeah, he's serious about about what he's doing and he's you know, you, you don't really want to mess with him. Um yeah. Or when he blows up the clubhouse. Mm. All right, yeah. and then we, we talk about on the Tim Burton episode how he goes, he calls a little, he calls a little five year old girl a bitch in this movie, which ruined to be in that. He didn't, uh, he did not want to wear his contact lenses or anything for that, for that scene because that girl's already terrified of him. Mm. But when he grabs her by the chin, lifts her up, give me the amulet, you bitch! <laughs> like he is flat out scary in this fucking movie. And what I love about him most too is that. 
I think what I love about it most is he's not trying to do an accent. He's not trying to do a Bella Lugosi impression. He's not trying to do like a, a, a an Eastern European accent or anything. He is just playing it straight. Mm-hmm. As yeah. you look at Mad Monster Party question mark, or even look at Adam Sandler, or anybody who's trying to do a Dracula impression, they try to throw that Romanian accent in there. They try to throw like a like they're trying to do a Bella Lugosi impression when mm-hmm. they do that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's what that's what I kind of like too about his performances. Yeah, he's not he's not trying he's not doing an impersonation of anybody. He's just he's playing Dracula, and that's who he's playing. He's not doing any other voices. Like he's, you know, and and he pulls it off. Like in his you know seriousness of of who he of who the character is, and you know he he definitely holds himself in the character you don't want to mess with without doing an impersonation of of Bella Lugosi or you know an accent or whatever he you know um holds his own without without that so well, um he might have a, he might have a twinge of an accent in there but it, it's it's not like he's trying to flat out impersonate Bella yeah. Lugosi yeah it's it's not it's not obvious like he's he's not doing it in a way it's it's subtle which i think works and uh same with the actor who plays Frankenstein. He's not trying to impersonate Boris Karloff. He he plays it more, uh, well, being the, of the, the, the decade, he, it's not quite like Sloth from the Goonies, but I like how they're teaching him, Phoebe's teaching him modern words like, bogus. <laughs> yeah. But uh, maybe his, his voice might be a little... Uh, stereotypical for somebody who wants to play Frankenstein. Yeah. But but I still love his performance. He still does a good he still gives a good performance as Frankenstein or the Frankenstein's monster for all you uh fucking OCDs out there, all you anal retentive Frankenstein <laughs> fans out there. Frankenstein's monster. Uh very good portrayal of 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 him too, I, I thought and mm. how he it gives me it gives me um i think it calls back to a little bit of uh boris carlos portrayal back in 31 of uh how well like essentially frankenstein's monster is a child mm-hmm. in many ways and he he plays that naivete to the world very well much like Karloff did yeah well without doing like a like we said with uh, Duncan's portrayal of Dracula, but without doing like a direct impression of it, I think he still portrays the monster world, much like Glenn Strange did in uh, Abbott and Costello. Um, definitely, I'd say like Frankenstein, why well, you compare the two Frankensteins, the two films we're comparing right now, definitely this Frankenstein was a lot better than Mad Monster Party question marks Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a lot better. Like him you know, his interactions with, with the characters and, and him learning words and things and playing that, like you said, like that naivety, like, like a child. Cause he really, like he, he's been built, he's, he's been made and now he's figuring things out for the first time, but not really as like the brain capacity, I guess, like a child, like that, that early brain development, but he's built like an adult you know and so he's learning things and it 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 makes he, he does a believable performance i think 
you feel bad for his Frankenstein's monster as much as you feel bad for Boris Karloff's uh, Frankenstein yeah. monster back in the 30s. Definitely. Yeah. You, you definitely feel the same for, the, for both. Um, like, Mad Monster Party, eh, not so much. It's, you know, Frankenstein's Frankenstein. You're not, you know, well, but... Well, he, yeah. he played that, that one's played more like your basic yeah. Frankenstein. He doesn't talk or... Yeah. Moves like a statue. He only, he's been out of clay, so yeah, you gotta give it that point. But he just does the basic like grunting noises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's not he's not talking or anything not like the other two. And and yeah, you know it's you you, you like him, but it, that's about it. Like you don't have that sort of connection of you feel sad for those characters. You know, it's in this one, and then like. Um, Boris Karloff is like, yeah, you you feel for them, you you create that connection with the character, um, and that and that's what I like. You know, you you still feel that same thing, um, you know, because it, it's such a good. I think it's a it's a great performance. So, who wins this round for you for best portrayal of the monsters? Monster Squad. I agree, Monster Squad too, and it, it the fact that we eliminated Abbott and Costello. Some people probably yeah. upset about that. It, it was only, I think, it was only fair. Yes, I think so. So, <laughs> I, I think that was that was definitely a good choice to make uh, for for that because yeah, I wouldn't have. <laughs> Although, well. Oh. But still, yeah, it makes more sense. Narrow it down to two. It <laughs> it, it it had the unfair with Belagosi as Dracula and Lon Chaney Jr. as Larry Talbot Wolfman. It was it was so unfair. Like how do you yeah how do you compare people like this that you never heard of or anything to the people that have played these monsters before? How do you compare Uncle Rico? To Lon Chaney Jr. <laughs> you, you can't. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, that doesn't work. <laughs> so yeah, you might want to put an asterisk next to this category, but at the same time, you got to admit, it was such an unfair advantage. It... Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> I guess you could... <laughs> You could declare moral. You can declare Evan Costello the moral victor of this category, but this round it goes the Monster Squad. Yep, absolutely. So, so let's go to our next category. And which film is the most rewatchable of the three? Now, Evan Costello—they are out of their disqualification. They are back on. They are back in the match. So, so uh, let's discuss which film is more rewatchable of the three. Um, I think, um, no, well, we have to, I think we should start off by saying we both saw Mad Monster Party question mark for the first time before this podcast. So, um, did you see the, did you see any other two for the first time before this? Uh, no, this, I've okay. seen Monster Squad. I think this is actually my second time. Second time seeing it, yeah, because I've seen it once before, and I've seen Abbott Costello. Um, it, 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 I think this might be my third 
fourth time seeing it. I'm not sure, but it it had been quite a while since I had seen it. Um, but yeah, Mad Monster Party question <laughs> mark uh, was my first time seeing it, and I had actually never heard of it at all until it was brought up. And oh, I didn't know that was a thing. So yeah, so it was um, completely new to me. Um, but for for rewatchability, I mean, it's it's a toss up between um, Monster Squad and Abu Costello meet Frankenstein, because um, I you know I enjoy both films. Um, you know, I think I you know what I may actually go with Monster Squad on this one. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, I. I... I thought it was important to get that disclaimer out there that we had both just seen it because I don't want it to have that much of an effect on it. Yeah. Uh, Mad Monster Party question mark would be something I would watch again. Mm. Uh, whether or not I'd own it, I think if whether or not I'd own it, probably depending on how much I have to pay for it. I, I would say <laughs> I'm not going to pay like 20 bucks to buy it on Blu-ray. But yeah. um, so much as, unless it came with a collection of the rest of the Rankin Bass stuff, then I would pay that much money for it because i do like ranking and bass yeah i i would um, agree projects. yeah i i would agree if it was if it was part of a collection then okay but i don't think i would i, I think <laughs> once was once was good and uh, i'm gonna stick with you know their other classic ones <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, like i had said earlier it wasn't their their finest hour i mean it, it's cute it is cute. It's fun, but you know, I'm I'm good with one watch. <laughs> uh, yeah, Monster Squad Nightmare Castle Meet Frankenstein is definitely a hard toss up too for most rewatchable. Um, they're both films I've seen a couple handful a handful of times over the last ten fifteen years, and I enjoy them both very well. Uh, there's that fucking phrase again. <laughs> very well <laughs> I, I i enjoy both films very much and i've seen them both it it working on almost like a coin toss for me for which one's most rewatchable and mm-hmm. i think i'm gonna go opposite i'm gonna actually say abbott and costello meet frankenstein for most rewatchable and i think the big thing for me is that it's that old abbott and costello are universal properties as well but it was also just had that tie-in with dracula and with mm-hmm. Bella Lugosi, I just love Bella Lugosi so much, and Lon Chaney Jr. so much mm-hmm. that it has that. Oh, I just want to, especially seeing Bella Lugosi as Dracula. I've seen Bella Lugosi and a handful of other things too, but I just love him so much as Dracula, and it's makes my heart happy to see him in there. And with the tying in the Ab and Costello shtick with the plot of the film, and not having it feel forced. Mm-hmm. Just seeing all like, uh, for example, I know I, I think Michael Lyons mentioned it when they talked about Adam Costello meet Frankenstein on Real Fans for their Halloween episode years ago. Talk about the little shake of when the first time they asked Talbot asked him to lock him in his room, and uh, Wilbur takes one of the oranges out of his room, puts it <laughs> in his pocket. <laughs> He's getting ready to walk back. He getting ready to walk back in his room. Hmm. I wonder if he counted these. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes to go back in there to, and he's having the whole back and forth with the, uh, with uh, the wolf, man. It's just so great. <laughs> I think 
I think what makes this one more rewatchable for me, as much as I love Monster Squad, I just think throwing the Abbott and Costello shtick into it mm-hmm. beats out the uh, gives it that little more rewatchability for me. I yeah. think. Yeah, I mean, I I would agree. Like, I I love Abbott and Costello, and I love that like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, and and I and I do like it. Really, it's it's a toss up between the two because I, I, um, you know, both movies are are. You know, uh, like Monster Squad and Abbott Costello are just are are great movies, and so it's you know it, it really is a tough toss up. I mean, for the 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 fun and just you know character portrayals, whatever. Um, you know, Monster Squad kind of is my pick, but you know, I'm still kind of like I, I say Monster, but I'm still kind of on the fence. There's like, well, I do like Abbott, you know, but it's. Because they're both they're both great and like you can't beat you know the cast that they got you know in Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein like you know getting these the actors who play these characters in the film and having it work so well and so yeah I I agree with your choice. <laughs> it, it was one of those ones that was a very thin margin for me. It's like it just beat it out. I think it's just yeah. that the the balance of the comedy the the comedy element makes it more rewatchable not that that's not saying monster squad isn't rewatchable it very much is i kind of want to watch after i rewatch it before the podcast i kind of want to watch it again <laughs> just because i i love that 80s nostalgia of it mm-hmm. i love yeah. that 80s feeling it's one of those movies that just it just says 80s cult classic film it just speaks it yeah it feels 80s it feels very 80s when you watch it Mm-hmm. It reminds me of all those 80s films I love so much, like Beetlejuice, Gremlins, Goonies. It it feels like those movies. Yeah, it, that, it very much fits under that that umbrella of of those movies. Yeah, yeah. So I think you already said it. So you're saying Monster Squad is your choice for most rewatchable? Yep. I mean, okay. both are rewatchable, but Monster Squad, I'm going to pick. <laughs> and like I, and to go off of that, like I said, I agree they're both rewatchable, but I think Abbott and Costello, I think they're <laughs> adding that in just edges it out. And the performances of Bella Lugosi and Lon Chaney are both very good in it, too. So, Absolutely, yeah. Uh-oh. We have a chance of a possible tie here, depending on what you pick for legacy now. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> so now that we talk about which one's more rewatchable, to keep in the same vein, our last category is the legacy of the three films. So Melissa, go ahead and why don't you kick off a discussion for a legacy of the three films? Which one has the better be- which film has the biggest legacy? I I would say the biggest legacy is Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, um, because you've got, you know, like we we kind of keep saying it, um, where you've got you know Lon Chaney Jr., you've got Bella Lugosi, you've got you know Bud and Abbott, like, um, getting names made. anyway, <laughs> you've got the the great cast of characters, great actors, everything, and 
and like already like Abbott and Costello like they already have that that legacy of comedy and and all the the stuff that they've done and um you know and how like this film like it, it just works with you know their their comedy and it just flows so well and I think it it, it holds up a lot I think on on the cast but just how would it how their comedy works within within the film so well and i think that one's got the biggest legacy um i mean monster squad has the you know like the 80s nostalgia and um like very much that i think is what what would give it its its legacy is you know you you watch it and you kind of you know you might get nostalgic over it and um i mean man monster party question mark um is you know it's um i mean it's it's part of of rankin and bass's collection of films um but it it actually when i had read about it it wasn't one of their most popular films um but it's since become sort of more of like a cult classic film where it's just one of those ones that people sort of go back to on occasion and um but it's not as often as like you know rudolph and all that so um but i I think it it holds its own in the sense of it finally it it like how they did the the their animating and and clay and all that like it it flows the the movements of characters is better like you see that improvement so it, it holds its own for that um but I think the biggest one definitely is is for me, and it's going to be my pick is Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Well, when I originally thought of legacy for a film, I think of which one holds up more time. You made some very good points about uh, Abbott and Costello. They are established household names when it comes to comedy, especially classic comedy. When you go back, you think of your your Three Stooges. You think your your Laurel and Hardy's in Abbott and Costello are right there in the mix too. Um, so yeah, they got that. They definitely have that legacy there, and blessed with the Universal brand in general, it's got that legacy. Um, the only thing I think it helps with Mad Monster Party is the is just the the name alone with Rankin and Bass, and like you said, it is one of the least known. Uh, products they have produced um, and Mikey and our friend Mikey and I were talking about it the other day and I think he I had to agree with him calling Mad Monster Party a cult classic is a bit of a stretch mm. um, because when I think cult classic I think Monster Squad and that's which is also my choice for biggest legacy or for winner for legacy here um, not to discourage um, Evan Costello meet Frankenstein because the Right now, if you go out and ask somebody, you'd list these three films off for somebody, like a film buff. Like, or especially if you ask like a kid nowadays, like anybody who's in high school or anything like that, now you're going to ask them, like, hey, what's your favorite film of these three? Mad Monster Party, Evan Costello, Meet Frankenstein, or um, Monster Squad. Who do you think they, what do you think they're going to know? And I think, Nowadays, I think my, it's going to be Monster Squad. Um, Abbott Costello has, I think, has been consistently known for as long as it has been since 1948. 
Monster Squad has been over, I'd say, the last 10 years. It's much like in the vein of Hocus Pocus, where it's, it's cult standing has been growing gradually over the last few years. It hasn't always been this well-known cult classic, but it's been starting to grow. Mm. But with, with uh, like I said with Mikey the other day at work, I believe that Mad Monster Party question mark it's like a very if if it's got a cult following, it's a very small niche mm-hmm. um, for a following. And if which why I think with as far as cult classics go, that's why I say Monster Squad's my pick. It's been it gets a lot more mention nowadays in uh, media. Um, Especially with all the kids from the 80s and 90s are growing up and they're going back to the films they loved as kids. And it's got such memorable lines from it, like Kick Wolfman's Got Nards. It seems like most people will know what you're talking about if you say Wolfman's Got Nards. Or um, another one that's probably not as known is uh, The Creature Took My Twinkie. <laughs> yes. Or I, I like, love, yes, I love how how sweet that said. The creature took my Twinkie. <laughs> <laughs> I think Wolfman's got Nards alone. Okay, you see that print on T-shirts. You see the Stephen King Rules T-shirt printed all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like that's why he. You don't see, hey chick, printed on shirts anywhere or. You don't see anything from Mad Monster Party. Uh, I, th- I just think Mad Monster Party has stayed in the pop culture zeitgeist. Oh, look at me popping out, dropping all those big syllable words. The pop culture zeitgeist. I think it's. I think it's stayed in that zeitgeist longer, even though it hasn't. It's the. It's the newer of the three films we talk about, but I think it's. I think it's laid. It. I think it's made its footing in pop culture better than the other three films yeah i would i would say so yeah i think for like basically like my pick is just because like i'm i love the classic movies you know the the black and white films and i i'm very much into those ones so like if you get the the classic you know abacostel all that stuff like that's just kind of where my interest is you know like i i love a whole variety of films like you know, my spectrum ranges all over the place, but <laughs> but I I do really enjoy you know the black and white films and and classic movies and stuff. So that's kind of where my pick stems from, um, like for for legacy, just how you know the the classic comedy and um. So yeah, that that was that was kind of the reasoning for for my pick. Um, it may not be as it may not be somebody else's pick, like a well-known thing, like you know, some young kid's not gonna know what it is, or you know, but you know, <laughs> but yeah, for me, you can't go wrong with a with a you know a black and white film or with classic actors. So yeah, agreed, and like I don't disagree with what you said at all it's true classics will never go out of style and this is one of the best 
I love those. I love all those Universal horror movies, and mm. adding Abbott Costello to it just makes it that much more legendary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's one in my mind. It's one of those classics that will never die. Um, Agreed. Not uh, and me not try me saying that Monster Squad's my pick. That shitting on the other two movies. I think Abbott Costello also is starting to become more and more known amongst the younger generations now because I was listening to Grim Gang hosts today and I believe uh, there are 31 Nights of Fright and they named Drop Abbott and Costello in there too. Um, Meet Frankenstein. And I, like, I've heard it on the Real Fans podcast. I can't believe, remember if it was Michael's choice or if it was Scott's choice in that episode years ago. I don't know if Monster Squad came up on Grim Grinning host today or not too, but uh, might have been mentioned briefly offhand, but those two are definitely it. It was another one of those. It's a, definitely another one of those uh, close decisions. And mm-hmm. I just feel like I don't disagree with anything you said, but I just think that Monster Squad still has that over looming presence in the pop culture zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. But Abbott Costello and the uh, but Abbott Costello and the monsters do in themselves also have their their place in the zeitgeist of pop culture. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think everybody, every like all all three films, they they have their their little chunk of of pop culture, you know, and they all fit there. But some just might be a little bit more highlighted, you know, than others, right? So, but that's how it goes. <laughs> and maybe if maybe if if maybe if Mad Monster Party question mark had the same staying power as Rudolph or Frosty. If it got the annual playing every mm-hmm. year, like you guaranteed on ABC family once a year to see Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer or the Earth Out of Santa Claus. It it's mm-hmm. when you think of legacy that comes ranking the best, that's what you think of is the the Christmas classics. Or I think of the animated Hobbit movie they did back in the seventies, which gave me nightmares as a child. But um maybe if Maybe if Mad Monster Party question mark got the same kind of love and attention that its predecessor, the ones that came before it did, like Rudolph and all that, maybe it could be it could be up there in the rankings with Monster Squad and Abbott Costello made Frankenstein to having a good legacy behind it. But it seems like if anything, their legacy or their their footprint in the zeitgeist of pop culture has only been come on fairly recently, much like Monster Squad or Hocus Pocus or Nightmare Before Christmas. It's something that's come on more recently, even though it's been out for years and years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I, well, I was, yeah. Oops, sorry, go ahead. Oh, you can, you can, uh, I was going to wrap it up. You had more to say. I didn't go ahead. No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'll take the thought to my grave. <laughs> <I'm good. laughs> Go ahead. Tell me. Um, I said, oh, okay. That like, it's you know, it's it's what seems to happen with a lot of older films. Like they they kind of go through phases. You know, like they they've been out for a really long time, and then they they they're kind of down under the radar, and then they come back up again. And that's kind of a lot with you know, these films like Nightmare Before Christmas and all that stuff. And I don't know, maybe, maybe one day Mad Monster Party question mark will come up at some point. You never know. Like <laughs> They could be making Funko Pops of these characters. You never know. But 
yeah, it's um, but it's it's definitely one that's you know still kind of tucked under the radar, but you know, some people know it's there, and and if they enjoy it, then that's you know they're able to see it, then that's all good. So, you know, <laughs> but I think we're I think we uh, did a good job of of talking all these films, so maybe we'll wrap it bring it on home. All right. Well, the referee is calling for the bell, and Melissa, I counted up the scores. We have a winner. Uh huh. The win, the winner of the first ever Nerdide Nations face-off is Monster Squad. Whoa! <laughs> Monster Squad had five votes or five points. Evan Costello meet Frankenstein had four, and. Mad Mutt's party question mark had one lowly point, so it did not get shut out. Oh. <laughs> well, it got one point. <laughs> if they if they would have had if they would have had a bigger if they would have had a bigger cast, they would have been fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I I actually half expected you to do Abbott and Costello across the board. <laughs> I gotta keep you on your toes, so I can't be totally predictable. <laughs> well, I'm willing to bet you're probably picking me to do Monster Squad across the board because you know I love my '80s stuff. But yep, well, I was kind of expecting I... that. <laughs> so we're both like <laughs> being unpredictable. <laughs> well, I threw I think I threw everything off the rails when I gave Mad Monster Party a pity vote for best cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like yeah, we have we have to give you something. <laughs> I didn't want I didn't want to give them a participation ribbon for just for for just for existing. You know? No, no, they had to they had to earn it. <laughs> yeah, Mad Monster Party question mark. Yeah, you're you're a thing. <laughs> yeah, you're you're there. <laughs> you, you exist. <laughs> but. Uh, so there you have it. The, the Monster Squad wins the longest title belt ever for which which movie brought the monsters together better because Universal failed with Tom Cruise's The Mummy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Anything from the five topics we discussed you felt like you left out? Any thoughts you had felt left out? No, I don't think so. I uh, I think I, I expressed all my thoughts in each category, so I'm good. <laughs> so so does Abbott and Costello, Frankenstein, do they deserve a title shot against Monster Squad? Do they deserve a rematch, like a one-on-one? Uh, I don't think so. Like yeah, yeah. I think I really honestly think if we didn't if we didn't count them out for Monster Portrayal that it would it they would have probably ran away with it. But I think I said it was only fair. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like the saying, so... gra- like the saying, like like the saying, Grandma's boy at the beginning of Grandma's boy is like if Tyson fought an infant while they're playing that boxing game. Essentially, that's what Abigail <laughs> still meet Frankenstein would have been when it comes to Monster Portrayal in that film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would have been like Tyson fighting an infant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that 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 would not have been fair at all. So I I think it was I think we did a good uh, um I think it was fair. I think we we definitely shared our views of each film fairly, and I think um, Monster Squad earns it. So. Very well, and I know that lots of people are pissed that we didn't pick. We we talked, we praised both films fairly well, I think. And it, mm-hmm. there was a couple. I can admit there's a couple of categories for me where it became clear that uh, Monster Squad or Eric Costello was the clear winner. But mm-hmm. like I say Monster Squad for me for much betrayal didn't come down until we dis- agreed to disqualify. Uh, Abbott Costello from that round, but mm-hmm. it was neck and neck a lot for uh, both of those movies. Yeah. Maybe we probably could have argued harder for Mad Monster Party question mark if we'd seen seen it more than just once each. Yeah, maybe. Like you know, some films like you watch it and it's like, uh, eh, but then you watch it a second time at you know, a different time and it's like, okay, maybe you know, you kinda warm up to it a little bit more. So I don't know. But I think for me it was like it just it was really i don't know like i like quirky but this was <laughs> over the top quirky and it's like eh. <laughs> yeah and, and mad and mad monster party will have an effect on me I, it's something i won't forget that i've seen i've been bugging my cats all day by saying do the mummy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and whoever owns the rights to Rankin and Bass properties, if you're listening to this, which I know you are, Eva Green as Francesca, or else I'm not going to your fucking movie. <laughs> and if you, if that's what happens, you owe me and Melissa a fucking producer's credit for that for that idea. Absolutely. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So there you have it. Thanks to Tom Cruise fucking up the mummy. The Monster Squad has won the belt for who has used the monsters the best. This is kind of weird, too, because each film had different monsters in it, too, which the only overlapping ones were Dracula, the Wolfman, and uh, Frankenstein's monster. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that's the only one that appeared. Oh. Oh, we forgot the Invisible Man for Mad Monster Party? Question mark. Oh yeah, <laughs> we missed him. Sorry, sorry. To Paul, Tim Rooney, Melissa Nicholson. Sorry, I didn't see him there. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> well, I I just remember because that was one because he had yeah. one of my favorite lines from the movie too, of uh, when they're on the on the crew on the on the boat and uh, when Felix runs into him, he goes, "Sorry, I can't see a thing without my glass. Sorry, without my glasses, I can't see a thing." And Visible Man goes, "Yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> well, I've heard that before." <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Did it feel like to you? Because when I first saw him, like, is this guy trying to do a Claude Rains impression? I I got a little bit, but it, not a hundred percent. I think maybe a little, like you said, like a little bit. There, there's a smidge of it, but it's not, it's not anywhere. I don't feel like it's anywhere near Claude Rains. Yeah. I can't believe I forgot the Invisible Man. So yeah, he, yeah, Invisible <laughs> Man only 
Ironically, the Invisible Man only shows up in Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein and in Mad Monster Party, but yeah. Monster's quite of a new. I would have, I would have dug a Mad Monster. I would have dug Monster Squad to Invisible Man too mm. at the same time, but but yeah. if you figure you already got well, that how do you make that look cool at the same time too? So, oh, exactly. Yeah. But well, so let's bring it on home. Uh, where can the listeners find you? Uh, they can find me on the tweets and Instagrams. Um, on Twitter, you can find me at Miss Melissa N twenty five, and on Instagram, you can find me at Miss Melissa N twenty five. Consistency, <laughs> and you can also, if you want. Um, I have a new Instagram page for all my drawings and stuff, um, and it's called Scribbles of a Wannabe Drawer. So you can s- click a follow and check out my stuff on there. So, where can they find you, Jared? Uh, you can find me on the tweets and Instagrams at QCA underscore Mista M I S T A underscore J. Tribute to the greatest comic book character of all time, the Joker. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Uh, my Instagram's been pretty boring lately. Uh, usually I build pictures of my cats or sometimes of my artwork or me tugging, but now it's just pictures of my beard or cats. Um, <laughs> as, a po- as a podcast as a whole, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Nerd Nations Podcast. Uh, you can find us on our home, as always, Podbean, and on Apple Podcasts. I am working on getting us on other platforms, so we're more widely available. I'm working on Google Podcasts at this, right now, and uh, maybe Stitcher if I feel like it. I don't know. Christmas is coming, so maybe you guys will get. Maybe Santa Claus will bring you Nerd Eyed Nations of on. Maybe Christmas is coming, so maybe Santa will bring you a more available Nerd Eyed Nations. Make it more accessible for you guys. <laughs> Depends if you're good or not. So, I just want to wish happy Halloween to all you guys. Thank you. Like, uh, our much like last year, we didn't have as much Halloween content as we wanted to. I I had some things come up with my apartment, but we wanted to get you more Halloween content. Well, we got you three good solid episodes. Um, so special thanks to Lisa for my love that movie for kicking off our Halloween uh, celebration. And uh, thanks for listening, as always, guys. Uh, now that the spooky season is over, shed a tear, uh, we'll start working on bringing you some uh, more cheery and Christmassy things. Uh, if you guys like the format we did today, we're thinking about doing this for Christmas time, too. I have two ideas to use this format with. I've pitched to Melissa, so maybe let us know in the comments if you like this or not. And we'll bring it up back for Christmas. I have two ideas for another triple threat match. One to bring Tim Rooney in on if he's <laughs> interested. <laughs> but guys, times are tough out there. So make sure you're being good to one another. Uh, as always, we are nerds and we're pretty proud of it. But always remember, be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes. Happy Halloween. See you later. 
The thoughts and opinions expressed by your ambassadors and their guests are theirs and theirs alone. And do not represent the companies they happen to work for. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys.